Welcome back to the Wedding Wisdom Podcast with Doug Winters. I am, by no small coincidence, your host, Doug Winters. We're up to episode 67, and I am thrilled to bring you a delightful conversation with destination wedding expert, Marina Laurie. I must admit, when you do a Zoom podcast, all you have to really do is to press the red record and it records video and audio perfectly, except that I forgot to press record. So I had to summon up all my courage, call her back and ask her if she wouldn't mind doing it again. She couldn't have been sweeter and said, sure, I'd be delighted. And she did. And we did. Without further ado, I'd like to jump right in and introduce you to a woman who speaks four languages and who's been to more countries than I've been to states. She's terrific. Enjoy my conversation with the delightful Marina Lurie. You look like you changed your shirt. I did. <laughs> Our first encounter. I'm dying for Marina to work with me and say, well, never mind. <laughs> I messed up. It's okay. Human error. We all make mistakes. And the important thing is you learn from your mistakes and I bet you'll never do that again. In a million years. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So you have an amazing story. Thank you. And I'd love you to dig right into it. Uh, Marina is an event planner in the New York City area. Lives in Manhattan? Uh, I live in Connecticut and I shuttle back and forth in Manhattan with Manhattan. And you have an office in Manhattan and an office in, in Connecticut. Connecticut. Okay. I also have a business partner in Milan, Italy. Right. And we do a lot of destination work. So. But you have this amazing background. Start from the beginning. Your parents are Italian. My parents are Italian, born in New York City. So a true New Yorker, <laughs> but a citizen of the world. I have dual citizenship with Italy and the United States. So born in New York City, then moved to Switzerland when I was about 10 or so for my father's job. But that gave me the very unique ability to go to the international school there and make a lot of great connections, but also learn how to live with different cultures and meet people from all over the world. And then I came back to school for university in the States and I went to Syracuse and then I went to work in New York City. I had studied fashion design and business, so I immediately went to work in the fashion industry for a little loan designer called Fiorucci right around the corner from Bloomingdale's. And then I worked a little bit at Barney's. I worked at Romeo Gigli, which was an Italian designer. And then I got my first serious, serious job working with DKNY and then Donna Karen. And then she was looking to expand her office in Europe. And I said, oh, I'd love to go back. Did she know so, that you spoke Italian and French? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She okay. knew. Yeah. And, uh, and so I headed off with my little suitcase to Milan, Italy, and opened her international PR office and ended up in, and living there for quite some time. And then came back to New York to work for Hermes as head of communications. Which is French, right? Which is French, right. yes. My mother tongue is Italian. I learned English in school. 
I learned French in Switzerland and I learned Spanish taking classes. But once you know one Latin language, you know, you can figure it out. <laughs> so I've been kind of back and forth between the United States and Europe most of my life. And working in PR and in fashion, I was always interested in design. My mentor was my, my godfather who worked in Italian textiles. So I just always loved fabrics and designing. So you have real experience with, with touching the fabric, literally hands-on. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, the designers would come pick out all the fabrics, and then we would see them on the runway. So it was really awesome. Oh, wow. Okay. But I really got involved in events working in PR because at the time, the PR companies were also doing events, and we were producing fashion shows and in-store events and really just kind of morphed into it quite naturally. You know, working with a lot of really amazing designers and artists. Because you uh, knew everything from all the angles. You knew it from, you knew what the fabric right. was. You knew how it looked in the light. You knew how it looked in the dark. You knew how it looked. Right. Yeah. And, you know, someone once told me from a fashion point of view, when you put things together, your eye will tell you whether they look good together or not. If they're not fighting, then they can go well together. And that's why sometimes you see a lot of different patterns. Mm -hmm. And they look great together. And then sometimes you'll see a bunch of different patterns or even just two solid col colors yeah. don't, that don't work. You have to have the courage to be creative. I personally love mixing like contemporary things with, with antiques. But when we design for a client, we keep in mind the the client's personal style and whether there are things that mean something to them if there's a theme for like a mitzvah or a birthday and then for weddings i always like to get to know my clients and understand what's going to make their event really personal so that when someone walks in they're not walking into an event that's been designed by us that has nothing to do with the with mm -hmm. the couple mm -hmm. right you want to have some kind of intimate feeling something that you know, mean something to them. Of walking into maybe a glorified version of, of their dream living room. Right. <laughs> or, you know, people meet in strange ways and their meeting spot might have something to do oh, with wow. it or something that they both enjoy doing. I like to weave those little things into our design. But more importantly, when we set out to look for a location with a client, I try not to completely transform a space that doesn't lend itself. So for example, someone came to me for a mitzvah and the daughter loved mm -hmm. to swim and they wanted to do it in this dark wood paneled space. And I, <laughs> I said, we would have to completely tra transform this into something else, which is fine. It's totally doable, but the budget better be big. <laughs> so we go into spaces and we, we, we want to work with what you're looking to do, right? right? Right, right, right. You know, going back to the fashion days, you accentuate the positive and delete the negative. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah. you know, you try and highlight the best features of the space and cover what doesn't really work. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> um, but you know what I loved about your story is that you said when you were at school at Syracuse, you were in the, you spent a lot of time in the theater department, but with the tech crew, you know, climbing up on scaffolds. Yeah, and... so I, I used to hang the lights for the theater 
in high school and in and later. Uh, so I liked being up on the rafters, hanging the theatrical lights. Yeah. And still to this day, I think that lighting can completely change a space. Like, even if you don't decorate it, but you have amazing lighting, you can still make something out of that space. It really transforms it, huh? Yeah, it really transforms it. And so I like being behind the scenes and I like the whole production part. And I love speaking to everyone from, you know, the sound guys to the people who are building sets. And I like to know how things are made. And I think I mentioned this to you earlier. When I worked at Hermes, I spent two weeks in their factories learning. Yes. Actually learning how to sew a handbag. A coin purse. Right. Look, I made a coin purse. <laughs> I feel like when you work in any industry, it's it's really important to know how the things are made, to know what goes on behind the scenes versus just hiring the different experts to do the work, which is great. You definitely need those partners. Mm -hmm. But I also like knowing how those things are put together so I can tell if something is done right or not done right. Yeah, and the nice thing about it, I was, th I was just thinking about the lights, just using that as a metaphor, is like you've done that. You've done all the grunt work yeah. of literally getting your hands dirty and, and knowing this is what's doable, this is what's maybe not doable, but you're aware of the limitations of everything. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. you know, things that someone else might not think about. Right. What is uplighting? Uplighting are those canisters that people put around the room to oh. shoot lights up. Oh, literally uplighting. Yeah, literally uplighting. Oh, that's boring. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. I mean, it works in some situations, but it's nice to... Mix it up. <laughs> <laughs> but that's not anything fancy or anything. Just uh, fancy. I mean, I don't know. I think DJs bring in up lighting and people bring in up lighting and it's yeah. fine. It's better than nothing. But great lighting design, like I said, can completely change and transform a space. Like pin spotting something on a table, highlighting it. Correct. Like you were saying with the fashion show. Or... Pin spotting, it's, it's funny. A lot of times, you know, I have to explain what pin spotting is to the client. Yeah. Because they just... They've never heard of it or they don't know. This is what I was going to ask you I, of all the things that we're talking about, about, you know, music or staging or this or that, that lighting is like the most ephemeral of, of all the artistic things. Yeah. And people know least about it. Right. But I've, I've heard so many people in, in your position say that it's the most important element yeah. in a room. But it seems to me to be the hardest sell. <laughs> like, how do you convince somebody? We're spending X number of dollars on flowers. Why do we need the lighting? Because if the flowers aren't well lit, then you can't see the flowers. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And it all just comes from experience and doing different events and uh, meeting different people and learning how things work. So I love that aspect of it. Do you have philosophies of like, you know, like low flowers as opposed to these gigantic stems that you can't see the other person on the other side of the table? It just seems way over the top, right? I love over-the-top flowers. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, no, that, that, that's do. what I'm asking. I think it's yeah. great to have a statement piece. Having said that, I always try and be really thoughtful about, you know, people gathering, right? So if you're going to do a tall arrangement, at least have the space where if people are sitting, they can see the person on the other side or... There's just some way that people can communicate without having a block of flowers in front of them. Like maybe it's okay to do that. 
big piece somewhere else as a signature well, piece. Well, that's right. No one's saying point. it has to be in the middle of this table. It doesn't have to be in the middle of the table or it needs to be strategically placed so that you're, when someone is sitting, they're not, you know, they, they're not going like Okay, this. so I'm in the right ballpark that you have to be aware that you have to be sight lines. Everybody will tell you it's so much about the guest experience. So all of these little details from the lighting to the flowers to the music to the sound of the music mm -hmm. are things that are really, really important, I think. Yeah. And so when you were asking me, what do people know you for? They know us for the fact that we really pay attention to all of these little details. And when it comes to destination weddings, it's even more important because all of these people are not in their home. They're in another country and they might not be feeling themselves or they might be nervous. So we really pay attention to everything. And you know, we're sure to be with people throughout the weekend or the week to make sure that they feel comfortable and that they're happy and that their needs are met. And uh, it just occurred to me what you just said is like, even the bride and groom, they're not, they're not home. Right. They're not near they're their not home. They're not in their element. I mean, some of them might be right, but they're not in their element. And so there's all of the uncertainty that comes with being in another country and worrying about whether your guests are comfortable. And so we really help people out with all of that. I was telling you earlier, my partner in Milan, the other part of her business is a luxury travel business. And therefore we have the luxury of um, <laughs> being able to coordinate cars and hotels, charter planes, do whatever people need to get around and just feel comfortable in, in another country without worrying about going online and trying to figure it out or talking to your American travel agent that might not have a connection there. Like they are there and they're on the ground and they have experienced everything. They know the car, you know, they know the driver who's coming to pick you up at the airport. Right. You know, the hotels, we've been to all the hotels, the private villas or the private homes we have relationships with them so explain that so people rent out their own their homes so that they can um so in in italy people rent out their homes or their villas or there are venues that now have been transformed into event spaces mm -hmm. many years ago some of the old aristocratic families had these huge homes but couldn't maintain them it's they expensive. were being rented out <laughs> Right, they're being rented out to pay. Exes. Oh, to pay the bills. Oh, that's <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So that's kind of how we started finding some really unique spaces, and then uh, you know people started really turning them into great event spaces. And there are some really amazing hotels and people that we work with partners there. But the nice thing about having Lorena in Milan is that if somebody needs to go get something at the space or measure something she can just hop into a car and go all around Italy or get on a plane. And in four hours, she's in Morocco or wherever she needs to be. Wow. Which is nicer than, you know, me flying from here to there or relying on someone else to do it. Yeah. I mean, there's just such a great relationship between her and I. We've known each other for over 20 years and there's trust. She's so reliable and knows what we're looking for and has been doing this for so long. Now, is there ever a time where she'll book someone in Italy to have a party in the States? Yeah. A lot of times there are Italians who want to get married in New York or as it happened, you know, they wanted to get married in Maui. So we 
kind of switch roles and we're the people on the ground here for her right. and for those clients. So it works both ways. And but the nice thing is that both well. of you speak several languages so that... Yeah. When you go to Italy, yeah, people speak a little bit of English sometimes, but it's extremely helpful. I think I was saying this earlier to know another language. Yeah. Because when you go to a country and you can speak that language, you you immediately eliminate certain barriers. Mm -hmm. And for me also having lived in different countries, I understand their culture as well. Yes. I mean, I've pretty much traveled all over, but everyone knows there are just big cultural differences between Americans and and I don't know, Japanese, right? Or, mm -hmm. or the French and the Italian, everyone has their little nuances, right? Lunch hour is important for some and not for others. Right, right, right. <laughs> right? So rather than fight yeah. it. We try and go with the flow because we know what we're up against and we make lots of plans. We are super organized and we work with reliable, reputable vendors. So it's easier for us to work in Italy because we're familiar with the culture and with the people and right. the habits and all of that. And like we were talking about generators before. So if you have to, yeah. an emergency generator, you can get on the phone and actually speak to someone in their language and say, help. Yeah, <laughs> um, I need it now. I need it now, <laughs> yeah. What are your favorite, where are your favorite locations and what are the most exotic locations you've worked at? Favorite locations. Uh, I, I mean, I definitely love all of Italy. I love Sicily and I, I love Capri and Ischia and all the islands, but I also love Corsica and the Mediterranean. There's just so many beautiful places all over the world. It's really what you make of it. I mean, you can go to a really gorgeous place and have the worst experience. And then that's the memory that you're left with. Oh, right? that's a good point. Yeah. So you mentioned Morocco. Oh, because we've we've done some events there. We did a wedding there. What would what's the thing about Morocco that's so appealing? I personally love the country because it's so rich with like European influence. The the colors and you know there's some really beautiful beautiful resorts there. A lot of Europeans have been to Marrakesh, so there are some beautiful private homes there. Essaouira is another city that's right on the coast. It has so much Portuguese influence and it's it's like a blue and white city, you know, with all the tiles and everything. It's just a, like a beautiful backdrop. I mean, people choose it either because they're looking for an interesting destination and they want to have all of their friends come and, and be in a place that means something to them. Maybe they got engaged there, maybe they met there, maybe they traveled there or they have some family ties to the country. I mean, and that's any country, right? It, we've had clients that have gotten married in Italy because they got engaged in Italy, or they traveled there as a couple and they fell in love there. I mean, they're just always these great stories. I love it. So is, is there an assumption that when you're dealing with someone who wants a destination wedding, chances are this person either comes from a family of or is themselves? A traveler, they're comfortable traveling. They've been to Europe many times. They've been to China, they, you know, with South Africa. Right. They've been around the world. They're comfortable on a plane. They're comfortable adapting to other customs. They're, you know what I mean? Yeah, for the most part. It's not just, they're just, they're not just picking, you know, a cruise ship. At least not yeah. our clients. Our right. clients usually have. So they're very savvy to start with. Right, right. 
and a lot of people happen to choose Italy, not because I'm Italian, but it's yeah, a beautiful yeah. country and the yeah. food is amazing. And there's so many different backgrounds. You could be in the mountains or you could be by the sea. There's Venice and Rome. And when people choose a destination wedding, they're also thinking about their guests and the guest experience. Oh, okay. Yeah. Talk about that for a minute. Right. So it becomes a four day or a five day event or series of events. Right. For the most part, people can plan their own. They'll plan a vacation around it. Like if they say, okay, we've got... So-and-so's wedding. This date, we're going to go five days before and, and, and go to Greece. Right. So for the most part, you're dealing with people who, have, who are familiar with international travel. Is that, that's, what, that's what I'm trying to yeah. say. Yeah, yeah. But having said that, you know, their guests might not be. Mm -hmm. And... Being familiar with international travel doesn't necessarily mean that you feel comfortable planning a large event overseas without the right connections and vendors and um, and recommendations, right? So people really put their trust in us. I was just going to say, is it a certain kind of, and I, and I mean this in only the best way, is it, is it kind of like an, is your clientele sort of like, an, for the most part, like an adventurous spirit? Like if you go on the safe route, you have it at the pier. I mean, it's the type of person or? I, you know, I don't, I don't think it's an adventurous spirit. I think it's people who have traveled or have some kind of attachment to a particular place. I don't meet clients and say, hey, do you want to have a wedding in France at a castle? <laughs> it's usually them coming They'll to find us. You. Yeah. Yeah, they are coming to us and they're saying, you know, this place means a lot to me, not necessarily a particular venue. It's the it's Italy or France or Greece, you know, and there's some kind of family ties. And so they say, can you help us find a venue for this number of guests? And then we, we set to work pretty much from that first moment until the last guest says goodnight. Right. So, so much of it is in the guest count. Right. If it's oh, yeah. 40 people as opposed to 300 people. Yeah. Because I think before you were asking me, oh, maybe you were asking me about pricing or something. Yeah, because it's, oh, it's such a whole open world. It's so different. Yeah. But it's it's basically to me, because we, so, we do so many events locally as well in Connecticut or New York or the Hamptons or whatever. Mm -hmm. When you're doing an event, no matter where you are, there are just so many little details and so many things that you have to think about. Yeah. So when you do a destination event, it's the same amount of details, probably times two. Right. Okay. In addition to all the, you know, um, customer care, I want to call it, right, of taking care of our clients and their guests to make sure that they have the best possible experience and that if I have to run and get somebody a Band-Aid, I'll run and get them a Band-Aid, right? Sure. It's okay. They're not in their home. So we just try and make them feel as, as comfortable as possible in all aspects. It's really all about customer service. So you one, once on site, you and your team are instantly accessible. Like you're on 24-hour yeah. call, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. That's what we do. Usually we're staying on site or somewhere close by. Right. And we realize that we're there, you know, from, again, the first moment that the guest lands or arrives until the guest leaves. And locally, that's the same thing as well. I mean, we're there from the time that party rental loads in 
to the time when party rental loads out. Oh, right. That's true. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I, I don't, I personally don't like to leave it up to the venue to sit there and accept our rentals or know or assume they know mm -hmm. where furniture goes or where the deliveries go. So someone from our team is, is really there from the very first delivery until the last pickup. Yeah. You know, just to make sure everything goes smoothly. Because you spend so many months planning yeah. these things. Yeah. And you're not going to leave it. To chance. I mean, it's my name on the door, just like it's your name on the door. <laughs> right? That's, a good, that's really a good way to right? put it. Yeah. And so, you know, if I have to go the extra mile or I have to put double stick tape on a piece of carpet that I notice is coming up, so be it, right? I mean, if somebody were to trip on that carpet, I'm liable, I'm responsible. Similarly, if I see a piece of garbage on the floor, I pick it up. I mean, I don't see anything wrong with that. People say, oh, well, you have other people who do that. Yeah, but they didn't see it, I did. Yeah, <laughs> right, exactly. So. Uh, you know who was talking about that? We were saying that we, we know a bunch of the same people, Mark Weber. Yeah. If he sees something on the ground, he, he's totally comfortable picking up a, right. a broom and sweeping, you know, or mop. It's not beneath him. Yeah. And uh, you know? that's why I, I, I mean, I really love those guys. They're great. Yeah. You know, it's all about working with people who share, you know, same values and have same similar visions. And, and like we were saying before, you know, I like working with people who I trust. I know they do a good job and I know they'll go, you know, above and beyond. And they have my back and I have their back. Um, yeah. You know, and uh, and we work as a team no, no matter what. Right. There are so many times when it's like something happens. We don't just walk away. We fix it. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly. You know? <laughs> exactly. When, so you're really a, a problem solver. Yeah. Yeah, definitely problem solvers. And you try and predict it before it happens. But <laughs> if it doesn't, you're going to find a way on the spot. Right. Right. All the time. And that you can. You can sew a Hermes coin purse. Yes, it comes in handy. <laughs> Do you ever think about that? It's just funny when you have a look in your eye when you talk about that, like it, like almost like a cherished memory. It's a cherished memory because, like I said before, you can interview a ton of people, and some of the most successful people have have worked their way from the bottom up. And the reason mm -hmm. that they're successful is because they know what's going on in the mailroom. What I was saying that, about Hermes is that I think uh, it was just such a great experience to learn how the bag was made. When you know how the bag is made, you have a whole new appreciation for the bags and the craftsmanships. I mean, the, the people, the artisans that work there, work there like one generation to the next. They do their training mm. and then their kids do the training and they take real, a real pride in what they're making and how they're making it. I just, you know, it's like a whole appreciation for the product, right? It's not just a handbag. It's like a lot of love and hard work went into it. So now when you see something, you're aware of what's going in. What's gone into it, but, but also it like makes you think about what you're doing and what like what we make in our warehouse, we don't just slap it together, right? We, you know, we make things that are going to last beyond that event. They're done mm -hmm. 
carefully and thoughtfully and you know like give me an example like i don't know say we're doing a flower wall right i mean we're not just stapling pieces together we sit there you know we're really precise on the number of flowers that are going in and all the design work that goes into it and we do samples beforehand and you know if it's got to go in a specific location or if it has to be custom made that comes from me personally spending time in factories or spending time with the artisans that are building things for us as well as the showrooms themselves correct absolutely yeah. so i mean listen ask jim how many hours we spend together <laughs> when yeah let's just talk about jim for one <laughs> second and we, we were connected by our mutual friend jim mcmanus who who was at party rent yeah who you know a lot better than i do i know him as as a new friend who's introduced me to a million people like you um just talk a little bit about, about uh, Jim as a connector of people, like connecting us. Yeah, I mean, he's the, the he's the greatest connector. You know, he introduced us to Mark Weber at On the Mark, and he introduced mm -hmm. me to Maria Saramedis and to you. And he loves putting people together that he thinks will, you know, hit it off. And so far, so good. And he, and he loves to see people collaborate and and work together. And uh, yeah, he's been he's been great. And him and I, when we are pulling things from the showroom, can easily spend two or three hours together. What do you think of this? And what do you think of that? And I go in with one idea, and he has another idea, and then we come up with something completely different. Yeah, that's what everybody says that works with him. That it's not like he's just not a salesman. No he'll come up with ideas that you might not have thought right. of. And then sometimes we meld it. Like my taste is not his taste, but he'll bring something up. And then this happened last year. He put something together and I was like, mm, that's not going to work. And then I walked away yeah. and then I thought, oh, wait, maybe that could work. Right. So <laughs> <laughs> then we blended the things together. And that's what's, you know, that's what's a really great thing about working with him, but also working with party rental in general they like i was saying they have your back you know mistakes happen you call them up they're there sometimes you don't even call yeah. them you just say oh i forgot this and before you know it that this is like on your doorstep oh wow it's just that kind of reliability and that kind of teamwork that we need more of in events you know it's like you said it's not just straight sales right it's about creating memories and making people happy and just going the extra mile for our clients. Yeah, like we talked about before, it's not the kind of industry, not what you do, not what I do, is something you can advertise. Right. It's so much of it is word of mouth. Yeah. And people, you know, trusting you. And it's, it's the person saying exactly, well, I trust her because no matter what, we had a problem and she solved it. Or like I was saying before, something happens but we make up for it in another way, or mm -hmm. we're honest with our clients. Look, we blew the generator. You didn't order a second generator. We need to fix this problem. How are we going to do it? We work together, or sometimes we don't even tell them. We yeah, just yeah. make it happen. <laughs> make, yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, uh, but it's that trust and the honesty and the integrity and the teamwork. That's what uh, brings, you know, makes a successful event, I think. And um, and gets people talking about you and and understanding how you work and you know building building that trust is so important. 
What would be the perfect party for you? I'm going to let you go because you are so, I cannot believe that you're doing this for the second time. But it, it, it feels fresher. <laughs> and I feel like I, I know you a little bit better. And I, I really do find the, the whole industry fascinating, which is why I started the podcast in the beginning. Yeah. What I used to say in the beginning of every podcast is I see a party from the bandstand. So all I care about is that people are dancing as much as possible. But I also have to be cognizant of the fact that you need people to be seated at a certain time so the hot food is hot or the cold food is cold, that the timing and the flow, that everybody works as a team. So that's, that's my perfect party. Yeah. My perfect party is everybody working together for the success of the event. It doesn't matter how big or how small it is. It's just everyone working together. You know, it's not about the glory, right? I mean, sometimes I will go into a venue and the venue is like, well, we need to, we call the run of show. And I'm like, yeah. whatever makes you happy. I mean, <laughs> I don't care as long as the guests get their food hot. <laughs> I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> but something comes up and you have to quickly turn on a dime and run to the band or go to the back of the kitchen and, and make sure that the changes are possible. Those are right. the kind of things I love, like like some like a maitre d' or a captain or or someone in charge will come up to me and say, I need another seven minutes. Something we just had a little dumpster fire in the kitchen. Yeah. So could you you know, can you stretch me even another ten minutes? I, like, I love that. Yeah. Or can you cut this now? This is happening faster than we thought. You know, we're bringing it out. Right. it's an ice cream thing and if it's late, it'll be soup. Right. So things like that happen. So I don't turn to the kitchen and say, oh, you guys are doing a crappy job. Yeah. No, we just try and like make the best of it. You know, there's really no perfect event. What event is perfect? We try no, as hard yeah. as we can. We do detailed production timelines and lists upon lists upon lists. And we try and make it all happen. And the most important thing is that the client never notices anything. Right. We never run across the dance floor. Right. We never That's start funny. running through the venue. That's a perfect <laughs> metaphor. I love that. Unless there's a fire. And even then we calmly tell everybody to vacate. People ask me all the time, like, why do you love doing events and such hard work and such difficult times right now? Yeah. But all of the work that we put into these events create memories. Yeah. And there's a camaraderie in the industry that, you know, I really love. We're in the business of making people happy. Even, you know, companies, we're helping them launch a product or we're helping them with an employee event or we're doing something for a nonprofit. We're helping people out. What's better than that? Yeah, sure, it's a lot of work and a lot of stress and sometimes really aggravating moments. But the most satisfying part of the job is seeing the end result and seeing people happy right yeah yeah that's why we do it well marina this is absolutely delightful and you'd never know that we're in the midst of this horrible pandemic we have two people smiling at each other for an hour <laughs> but i will tell you what the silver lining in all of this was yes please we wouldn't have been connected if we <laughs> exactly <laughs> i i think i might have said this earlier Time to me has always been a luxury and we finally all had a little bit of time to breathe and to think and to become more creative and more innovative and discover some new talent and speak to people that we maybe wouldn't have had time to speak to before. 
I mean, honestly, that's what I have been grateful for during this time is, is being able to connect with new people, people that I didn't know and um, discover new talent. That's a perfect note to end on. Yeah. And I can't thank you enough. This has been absolutely fantastic. And, and I can't wait to work with you. I was just going to say that, but I like it better coming from you. <laughs> <laughs> wait, what, what city did you say before was blue and white? Morocco? Oh, Essaouira, awesome. in Morocco. Okay. Essaouira. And it's literally, when you say blue and white, you literally mean that there's like ceramic tiles? Ceramic tiles and then the walls are painted. Literally blue and white. Yeah, blue and white. So it's not just an effect that you see every year. Actually, there's a whole city in Morocco called Chechuan. I think, I'm not sure I'm pronouncing it correctly. You can look it up. Okay. And the whole city is blue. Wow. Painted blue. <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah. Oh, definitely. There's just so much history there. And yeah. You'll have to go. I will. I will. I'm going to go with you. That's <laughs> <laughs> good. Oh, quickly. Uh, how do people follow you on like Instagram? and? So on Instagram, it's Marina Lurie Events. And on Facebook, also Marina Lurie Events. And we have a website, events. Perfect. Dot com. Perfect. You are the best. All right. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye. Thanks again to Marina. Uh, that's why I left in that comment about, you look like you changed your shirt. I had. <laughs> Thank you for listening and being a part of this incredible industry that we all represent. 14 million strong. This is going to be a very exciting week. We have some incredible guests. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast at either Apple or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. And spread the word. Stay safe. Wear masks. Stay healthy. We have some serious partying to do in 2021. I'll see you next week. Bye-bye.